I feel the Lord is calling me back to evangelism. <laughs> if I can take this team with me. I've come to a profound decision since I've had the joy of visiting back home here today. And that is a way to supplement my retirement income. As soon as I get back to Tullahoma tomorrow, I'm going to check around and see if I can get an exclusive distributorship for uh, the Grecian formula. George Bernard Shaw was one of those brilliant, almost wild weeds in English literature. George Bernard Shaw said, however, in a very positive and meaningful way, we seem not to live long enough to take our lives very seriously. Alan Larkin, that many of you have read, wrote in the early 1970s. Alan Larkin was a very famous time consultant, time use consultant. And because what he said is so precise, I want to read it exactly. Most folks don't think in terms of minutes. They waste all the minutes. Nor do they think in terms of their whole life. They operate in the mid-range of hours or days so that they have to start over again every week and spend another substantial chunk of time in ways unrelated to their lifetime goals. They are doing a random walk through life, moving without getting anywhere. I don't know if that says anything to you about the way that you spend the precious coin of time in your life. It's an old cliche, you don't have any more time than I do. I don't have any more time than you do. The difference is what we do with it and how we invest it and how we apply it and whether the time gets uh, wasted and slips away or whether time is invested in such a manner that it will bear fruit along the way. It takes some organization and it takes some time and some concentration to carve out our own niche in time. Uh, 
and it takes a lot of looking inside. Now, if we do that all the time, we're going to stumble on every stone that's in the path. But we can't live our lives without stopping periodically to ask ourselves some very serious spiritual questions. It takes self-knowledge to know what to do with the time that God has given to each of us. What are your life goals? What is it that you really want to be remembered for? When that day comes, that family and friends must say goodbye to you. What do you want to be remembered for as to the way you invested the time, the gift of time that God has given you? And second on to that is from where we are at this given moment, every one of us, we're all on a spiritual pilgrimage. We're all on a spiritual journey. And while we walk together some bits of the way, there's not any two of us who are at exactly the same place in our spiritual pilgrimage. And so the question is, when in those rare quiet moments that we ask ourselves, from this moment on, wherever I am in my spiritual journey, wherever I am at this moment, what do I want to accomplish with the rest of my life? I'm certain that there's not a one of us that would not like to go back and relive certain times or episodes or experiences in our life, but we can't do it. You just can't back it up and do it again. All we can do is remember. But our eyes must be ahead. We must look forward. And we must not forget that the gift of minutes and the gift of hours and the gift of days, however many minutes or hours or days or years that are left to us, we need to find out for ourselves what else does God want me to do with the time I have left? In a human sense, there are any number of us in this room that have lived the majority of life already as far as length is concerned. We have fewer days in our tomorrows than we have had in our yesterdays. 
And so what we do with our tomorrows is vastly important. Some of us have made mistakes in our yesterdays. Well, let's don't repeat those mistakes in our tomorrows. Some of us have made some rather glaring failures out of some opportunities in our past. Well, let's make up our mind that we're not going to make those same mistakes and failures in whatever tomorrows we have. The development in each of our lives of a personal pilgrimage of faith, a personal walk with Jesus that will make our minutes and our hours and our days to be a blessing to people we can reach out and touch. I've heard some folks' lives described as having blessed the world when they left it. I don't want to be remembered that way. I don't want to live that way so that those who have known me in either an intimate or a casual way would say, well, the world's a better place without him. But the kind of mark that we leave then on the kingdom will depend entirely on the investment that we make. You make no investment in an enterprise, you reap no return. It's as simple as that. How do you plan to spend tomorrow? Well, I've reached that point in life to where, as I shared with someone privately today, I've reached that point to where when the phone rings or when I get a letter, I can comfortably say uh, no. It took me a long time to get to that place without saying no and feeling guilty about it. Sometimes it's better to say no if you can't do a worthy job of what you're asked to do. What do you plan to do with your tomorrow? When you live tomorrow and you come to bedtime tomorrow night, What will your investment of your time have resulted in in the lives of people around you, in the circle of people who know you? Will it have made any difference in the life of your church? Will it have made any difference at all? Your one tomorrow, any difference in the life, people you go to school with if you're a student, people you work with if you're still in the labor force, Will anybody be better off because of the way you spend your one tomorrow? That's vital. 
And when we come to that kind of a decision that I do want to make a difference, I do want to contribute positively to other people's lives, then the pilgrimage becomes a blessed pilgrimage. The author of the letter to the Hebrews put it this way over in the fourth chapter when he wrote, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. When you're called upon to give an account, what does that mean? It means that somewhere along the way, you were entrusted with something and you, there was some sort of instruction that you were to do something with whatever you received so that it would what? It would multiply. It would increase. It would reach out to be a blessing, that it would be more and positive under your handling and your stewardship than it was before it was handed over to your keeping. That's what it means to give an account. We have to give an account. Give an account of our years? Yes. Give an account of our months? Yes. Give an account of how we spend our hours? Yes. But what about the minutes? The minutes of life. The silent ticking of the clock of our lives. It's not like pennies that now folks, if they drop it on the ground, don't spend the energy to pick up. <laughs> the minutes of life are the coin of the realm that makes the difference as to what kind of people we really are. In the pilgrimage of life, we all start as babies. We're totally dependent. We're dependent upon mothers and dads. We're dependent upon caretakers caregivers. We're, we're dependent upon others to, to feed us and to clean us up and to dress us and to instruct us. We live the first part of our lives in a total state of dependence upon others. And every one of us in this room has been blessed by people, some of whom we don't know anything about. We can't remember. They're too far back in memories past. 
but blessed because they took time to take care of us in the nursery. I was privileged to have Christian mother and dad, and they were part of a new church that started in Houston, Texas, out of Old First Church. And they started meeting over in Taylor School. And I don't remember it, but I'm told that I crawled around the floor in one of those classrooms at Taylor School. Somebody there loved me enough to look after me and to take care of me. And along the way, there have been those who have given me nurture and care and love and attention in those times. And I was totally dependent upon somebody else. From dependence, we move into those teenage years. And that's the time of independence. <laughs> oh, secretly, deep down, yeah, we love mom and dad, but quit making decisions for us. I'm old enough to know when I ought to come in. I'm old enough to know what friends I ought to run with. I'm old enough to make my own decisions about this, what I'll wear, how i look. From dependence to independence. Now, you know, that's the way it is, too, in the, in the spiritual pilgrimage. You're a Christian. You're born into the kingdom of God. You're a babe in Christ, and you grow, and you're dependent upon others. But there comes the time as you grow and you grow that you develop kind of an independent streak. You don't want anybody to tell you anything. You don't want any preacher to tell you how to live. You don't want any Sunday school teacher to tell you this or that or the other. Independence. Now, independence is a valuable step in the journey of life. The youngster that does not learn how to become independent can never stand on his own two feet and can never journey. But if we get hung up in the independence point, then we begin to live just for old self. And every decision is made just for old self. And so what is, ought to be then the next natural progression from dependence to independence, that we arrive at some holy moment when we realize that we need other folks and other folks need us, and that's that interdependence. When we begin to feel that sense of family, of belonging, don't you suppose that's what Paul was talking about when he wrote to Romans and to the Corinthians, the 12th chapter, both those letters, when he talks about the hand and the foot and the eye and the ear and the nose, different 
parts when we realize out of our independence that we are somebody, but then begin to realize that we need to be the rest with the rest of the body, that we can't be the whole body. I need you, and you need me. For we shore each other up as we love each other, as we pray for each other, as we encourage each other, as we put a flashlight along the path for each other. The growth of the spiritual life means let's don't get hung up by being so totally dependent upon others that we can't ever do anything, or so independent that we feel like we don't need anybody else. But when we can live in that joyous fellowship of interdependence, then God can use us in a wonderful way. I think it was probably about three years ago, plus or minus some months, I was working with the, uh, the group of the married young people in First Baptist Church at Nashville. And the group one time said, uh, said uh, Brother Ralph, for, for next week's time together, said, why don't you talk to us about some things in life that you would advise us to be certain that we can grab hold on to, some things not to miss as we go through life. Well, I was rather complimented with that until I started writing my list down. But I want to share with you what I shared with them. Some things not to miss as you go through life. And this is a part of this thing that I'm talking about in our progression, in our own spiritual pilgrimage as we move to this wonderful status of an interdependence depending upon each other, I think it's in the framework of that that I would offer these suggestions. These are things not to miss in life. And the first thing that I listed there, and by the way, these are not in any priority order, but I suggested to those young married folks, don't miss out on real, true, honest, open friendships. It's easy to go home, close the door, lock it tight, be sure the windows are down, and live our lives by ourselves. And the older we get, and I'm getting older just like some of you, the older we get, it's a secure feeling to just get home and bolt the door. And sometimes when we do that, we pass up opportunities to be with folks. And we miss friends. And we miss friendships. We miss what they can contribute to us. They miss what we can contribute to them. So as you go through the remaining minutes 
I'm not talking about hours or months or years or decades. I'm talking about the minutes of your life and mine as you spend the remaining minutes of your life. Don't miss out on deep and abiding friendships. Friendships are worth nurturing. It's a plant worth growing. Don't miss out on the grace of giving. The Bible says it clearly and simply. You can argue with it all you want. You can cut it out of your Bible with your scissors. You can burn it in a fireplace, but it is still God's truth. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And if I had a dollar for every time I had told you, my beloved congregation over the years, that you cannot outgive God, I'd be a pretty rich man. You just can't outgive God. God's not going to be in debt to you for five minutes, nor to me. Don't miss out on the joy that can come only when you're willing to give that which represents you to somebody else, the grace of giving. Give your time, give your money, give your influence. But if it's mine, me, mine, mine, you put your hands in your pocket and where the need presents itself, you turn your back, you'll miss out on some great joys of life. The joys come in learning how to give. Don't miss out on some quiet times with God. I have to be perfectly honest with you. Quiet times with God are hard to come by. Even for somebody who's been two or three times retired. There's always something to do. There's always something in the schedule. There's always this or that or the other. And it's a very hard thing to come to the quiet time and to be alone with God. But don't miss out on it. It's in the quiet times. Go through your Bible, read your Bible. Uh, read there about the mountaintop experiences when the choice servants of God or up on the mountains, and there they had fellowship with God in the quiet times. And you'll never really enjoy spending the minutes of your life unless you spend some quiet time with God and receive some instruction. Don't miss out on travel. There are a lot of Folks who live a lot of different ways all over the world. And it does us good to go and see other folks living in other places, eating other kinds of food, living in other kinds of dwellings, and doing other kinds of worship. Travel. But travel not in order to simply impose your thinking upon people, but rather with an open heart to learn what others can silently sometimes say to you about what's important in life.
Don't miss out on travel. Don't miss out on reading books. Don't miss out on good music. Oh, I like that quartet. I love the music this morning. I thrill always. I, one of the things about being part of Brainerd that will, will ruin you is that when you go someplace else and they sing Amazing Grace and it's just like old weak vanilla. Don't miss out on good music. There's a lot of wonderful music out there, a lot of different kinds of music. There's a lot of music you say you don't like. We'll listen to it a little bit. There may be something in it you might like. That doesn't mean you have to move in with it and live with it all your life, but it means be open. Be open to something different and something new. Don't miss out on music. Don't miss out on a hobby that you enjoy. Don't miss out on being of service to others. Don't miss out on, on developing as best you can a sense of patience with a sense, with a spirit of forgiveness. Don't miss out on that. A lot of folks find that a little tiny chip on their shoulder unless it's taken care of, grows, grows to be a rock, and the rock grows to be a boulder, and the boulder grows to be a mountain, and suddenly we're trying to carry mountains around on our shoulders simply because what started out as a little chip on our shoulder when we felt like we couldn't forgive somebody for something ended up eating us up and destroying us. Don't miss out on what forgiveness of somebody who you think has hurt you or wronged you or said something about you. Don't miss out on the joy of saying to God and to that person, if they're still available, I forgive you. And the burden will lift. Don't miss out on making your decisions on the basis of what is God's will in this matter. Now, I'm one of those old-fashioned kind of preachers that believes that God is just as interested in the kind of refrigerator or the kind of automobile that we buy as he is in the great august plans of the vocations of life. Who was it that said God is in the details? Only the world has said it, the devil is in the details. But let me say to you, God is in the details. God is interested in the minute by minute by minute by minute by minute by minute by minute life that you and I live. He's interested in the little things as well as the big things. And don't miss out on that. God, don't miss out as you spend the remaining minutes of your life, don't miss out on having as much fun as you can. Not a thing in the world wrong with a good laugh. As long as it's clean. Will Rogers, there's some of you in the room that that name doesn't mean anything, but Will Rogers was a great American 
humorist, cowboy from Oklahoma. He was speaking to a banquet group one night, I think in Chicago. And the man in front of him told dirty joke after dirty joke after dirty joke after dirty joke. Will Rogers got up when it was his time and he said, well, he said, the man who has just spoken to us reminds me of a racehorse I once knew. Runs best on a dirt track. Mm. Don't miss out on fun, but most of all, don't miss out on Jesus. Jesus. Jesus in the morning, Jesus at the night. Jesus in the noonday, Jesus in the midnight. Jesus at the table, Jesus at the workplace, Jesus in the schoolroom, Jesus out on the baseball field, Jesus on the football field, Jesus walking down the road, Jesus in your automobile, Jesus up in the airplane, Jesus. Don't miss out on Jesus. For if you accomplish everything else in all the world you set your mind to do, but you miss out on Jesus, then it will be said of you, what shall it profit a man or a woman or a boy or a girl to gain the whole wide world and lose their own soul? A good friend that I learned to know in my work with Baptist World Alliance was Dr. Trevor Swart. Dr. Swart was the executive secretary of the South Africa Baptist Union in some of its most difficult days. And I heard him say this at a meeting down in Jamaica and I wrote it down. He said, our depth, our depth of devotional life depends upon our closeness to Jesus day by day. The more we know Jesus, the more we love him and the more we want to be like him. Minute by minute by minute, let's live the rest of our lives so that there'll be something else in our spiritual hands to present to Jesus when he calls us home. Deepening the spiritual life that makes the journey a journey of joy. 
Let's sing hymn number 447, Trust and Obey. There's no other way to be pleasing to Jesus but to trust and obey. If you join, if you'll profess Christ as Savior, if you'll rededicate your life, if you'll say simply, I want to spend the rest of my days honoring Jesus. I want the rest of my minutes to count for him. What a blessing you'd be to other folks if you'd make that public. Let's stand and sing. You come. Jim will be at the front. All right.